turn with us to the 32nd chapter of the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 32 and beginning with verse 20. Numbers 32, 20. And Moses said unto them, If ye will do this thing, if ye will go armed before the Lord to war, and will go all of you armed over Jordan before the Lord until he hath driven out his enemies from before him, and the land be subdued before the Lord, then afterward ye shall return and be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel. And this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord. And be sure your sin will find you out. And then in Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 12, Isaiah 59, 12, For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, and our sins testify against us. For our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. Our Father, we pray your richest blessings upon the reading of your word. Help me tonight, Lord, to somehow speak under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and make men to know their need of Jesus. Amen. I want to introduce you tonight to the saddest subject imaginable. I didn't say the gladdest. The saddest subject in the universe. The saddest, most pathetic tale in the book of God. I know that your mind's probably charging in a number of directions when we speak of one word that would be the epitome of pathos or sorrow. I don't know what you think it might be. Someone might say, well, death is the word you're going to talk about, preacher. Someone else might say, well, it must be hell because hell is a sad word. And yet others might say it must be sickness. But the word that I have in mind tonight that contains the subject matter for the saddest word in the English vocabulary is the fountain of woe and it's the mother of sorrow. This word is the cause of all grief, all war, all violence, all hatred, all pain. This word is man's worst enemy. This word, one word, nailed Jesus to the cross. This word will take you to hell. The saddest word in the human vocabulary is sin. Sin! And I'm not here to paint it white, nor am I here to paint it an eerie gray. We're living in a world that's got plenty of opinion but little conviction. I want you to know, my friend, that sin has pronounced upon it the deepest judgments, 
of God Almighty. Sin. I wish I could preach it as black as it was. If you don't think sin is bad, what nailed Jesus to the cross? Was it social error? Was it the inhumanity of man to man? Was it the estate of the fallen angels? No, my friend, no calamity known to earth nailed Jesus to the cross except sin. Sin. It's a terrible thing. One of the most outstanding arguments for the reality of hell is Calvary. If there is no hell, then why would God go to such ends and depths to redeem man? The very fact that God gave His only Son to die to redeem us tells us that there must be a depth of recompense for sin. The very fact that God took my sins and your sins and nailed them to the cross tells me that there must be a horrible penalty for sin. I know I'm on an unpopular subject tonight. And I already feel the spiritual reverberations that radiate in this congregation. I wonder what. Let me tell you something. We're living in a world that likes to whitewash it. In fact, we got a new word today for sin. A lot of things that used to be pinpointed in many pulpits as sin, now they just call it fun. Not sin anymore. <laughs> Let them have fun. Let them have a good time. The book says it's sin. Let them sow their wild oats. They'll come to themselves after a while. The book says it's sin. Oh, Brother Tinney, they were born with the wrong genes and they can't help it. The book says it's sin. It's the environment that they were reared in. God's not really going to hold them responsible. But the book says it's sin. And the wages of sin is death. And the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. There's not many things you can be sure of, but I read it in your hearing tonight. You can be sure that your sins are going to find you out. Going to find you. God's going to judge sin wherever He finds it. In my life or your life, every unforgiven sin is a voice crying unto God for judgment. And nothing can quell or quieten that voice except the shed blood of the Son of God. Sin. Sin. Our gospel is not an ultimatum against enjoying life. But our gospel is an ultimatum against sin. Our gospel is not optional, but it's mandatory. Our gospel is not just a weary rounds of prohibitions, thou shalt not, but our gospel is a glorious system of positive attainments. Our gospel is not a compromise. You hear me? It's never Christ and the world, Christ and sin, Christ and Belial, Christ and the devil. It's always Christ or. It's the drawing of the line by Joshua and said, Everybody that's on the Lord's side, come on this line. I don't know what you're going to do. He said, But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. 
Oh, I preached this morning on the radio on the impossibility of neutrality. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. Everybody that gathers not with me scatters abroad. Be sure tonight, intelligent congregation, your sins will find you out. Some way, someday. Now let me tell you again, there's not many things in life that you can be sure of, but you can be sure that your sins are going to find you out. And that goes for the beer-guzzling deacons and the social drinking parsons. Your sins are going to find you out. Now I'll be ready to admit that there are men that hide behind the cloth and call themselves preachers that are living in sin. And the day's going to declare it. There are those that Sunday by Sunday sit on church benches and have shaken a preacher's hand and signed a card or bowed an in an altar or been to the waters of baptism that are living with hidden sin in their life. But you be sure your sins are going to find you out. Oh, there's a lot of things in life you can't be sure of. I cannot be sure that the sun's going to rise in the morning, but I'm sure that your sins are going to find you out. I can't be sure that I'll be alive in the morning, but I'm sure that your sins are going to find you out. You may not have a job in the morning. I'm not sure of your job, but I'm sure that your sins are going to find you out. I may not know what a day brings, but I know that someday, somewhere, somehow, your sins are going to find you out. And there's a payday someday for the wages of sin. Tell you something, friend. Time doesn't remove sin. Somebody may say, well, Brother Tenney, look, I've got things I hadn't repented of all right and I hadn't straightened up. That's true, but it's been 20, 25 years ago. Time doesn't remove sin. Nothing removes it but the blood. Time? There's a man in the book of God called Lot. One little clause in the scripture says of Lot, and he pitched his tent toward Sodom. And Abraham pitched his tent toward an altar. Now it all started so insignificantly with the pitch of a tent. And many years later, he was the chief politician in Sodom. He was sitting at the gate with the elders in Sodom. He was a man of wealth and influence in Sodom. And it had been a long time ago since it was simply stated he pitched his tent. It may have been as many as 25 or 30 years between the pitch of the tent and his stakes being driven so deep in Sodom. But that was it. He took his family into Sodom. And children have a very, very poor chance when parents are forever pitching their tent towards Sodom instead of an altar. What did they know about God? They saw nothing wrong with anything in the promiscuous society of Sodom. And when suddenly Father, uh, whom they knew had a little cloak of a hangover psychologically from a religious uncle of many years ago that they had heard about, when he came up suddenly with this pipe dream about angels coming and about altars and about getting out and getting right with God, he was, the book says, as one that mocked 
Because for many years they had not seen that in his life. And he was as one that mocked. And he screamed, get out! But they wouldn't listen to him. It was a joke. And, and his two daughters, oh yes, he got them out of Sodom. But the Bible teaches us he never got Sodom out of them. But it all started many years before when he pitched his tent. But finally his sins found him out. And yours will find you. Joseph's brothers. Huh. It was 24 years between the time they sold Joseph to Egypt and they faced him again as prime minister. 23 years. You know what one of his brothers screamed? You can find this in Genesis 44, 16. Huh? How stupid. God always knew. But can you think of the guilt complex they had been living with all these years? That they had sold a brother never really knew. They tried to cover it up, my friend. Let me tell you something. Time does not remove sin. This pastor has counseled with too many men and women who did things many years ago that they never repented of. And could not get away from it. And suddenly, his brother Reuben wakes up and says, God has found out about our sin. It just hit him. Oh, my friend, let me tell you again. Time will not remove sin. Nothing takes care of it but the blood. I'll tell you something else. Careful concealment. I don't care how much you conceal it. It doesn't take care of sin. Who do you think you're fooling? You're not going to stand before me for me to judge you. You're not going to stand before wife or friends or anyone else to be judged. And you may be pulling the wool over everybody's eyes, but there's a God in heaven that knows. Cain, where is your brother? the back of his mind, he said, nobody saw me kill him. He said, huh, am I my brother's keeper? I don't know where my brother is. God said, listen, fella, your brother's blood cries from the ground against you right now. It's not hidden. God knows. Nothing can quiet the call for the vengeance of sin but the blood. Careful concealment. Uh-uh. Achan, what are you going to do? I've got a little Babylonish garment here and a wedge of silver and a few shekels of gold. I'm going to hide them in my tent. Now, I know Joshua said, get rid of it all and don't, don't take any of it, but I just got a little and nobody's going to know. But there was a God in heaven. Careful concealment will never hide it. God knows. And someday, friend, let me tell you something. Whereas only a small circle might know, and maybe nobody would ever know if you'd repent and get right and make restitution, there's a day coming when your sins are going to be shouted from the housetop. And everybody at the judgment bar will know the sorry details of what you did under the cloak of night. Be sure your sins are 
will find you out. The Javanese translation of the scripture said you can be sure that your sins will come home to you. Sin stopped the progress of a nation. Israel could not move until that wedge of gold and Babylonian garment and shekels of silver were taken care of. And sin will stop the progress of an individual. I've watched it. No joy, no testimony, no lilt, no life, no love for the house of God, withdrawing from the word of God, dodging the man of God and the people of God. What is it? I'm trying to hide something. But there's a God in heaven that knows. And he has sent me tonight to tell you that he's given you a space to repent. Let me tell you something, friend. Even death itself won't hold back the vengeance of sin. Won't do it. Well, Brother Tenney, what I do is my business. You've got a lot more to do with sin than just commit it. Some people say, well, what I do is my business. Let me say it again. You've got a lot more to do with sin than commit it. It comes back. But I don't care what you've done tonight. Sin cannot stain so deeply that the blood of Jesus cannot penetrate. If we walk in the light as he is in the light and have fellowship one with the other, then doth the blood of his son Jesus cleanse us from all sin. And I'll tell you something else beautiful. Once your sins are under the blood, as far as God's concerned, they are gone and forgotten. Oh, I've seen the devil be so cruel to people as to make them think that God was going to bring them to judgment for their past sins that were under the blood. You better not uncover anything that's under the blood. You better not tamper with the blood. The men of Beth Shemesh, when the Ark of the Covenant came into their city, they opened it and God slew 50,000 of them. You know why? Because they uncovered what God had covered. You'd better not uncover anything that's under the blood. Don't you ever reach back into anybody's sordid past that they've already repented of and got under the blood and hold it over their head. You bring the judgments of God on you. Because Jesus has hidden it beneath his own shed blood. What an opportunity tonight for you to unload on Jesus. He will give you beauty for ashes. But if you don't, be sure your sins will find. Brother Tenney spent a long time. I've counseled with men who many years ago actually killed. I've counseled with more than one. And they would tell me, even though it had been years and years and years ago, Brother Tenney, at night they come back to me. Is there any hope? It was said of Herod after he had John the Baptist's head cut off that Herod would wake up in the middle of the night screaming that he saw the headless John the Baptist come dancing into his room and he saw it until the day he died a raven maniac. You can be sure that your sins will find you out. 
They'll not only come back and torment you while here you live. A million miles from where anybody would ever know. But there's a God in heaven that knows. And that little silent monitor of your soul, your conscience is screaming and saying, Take me back to my God. And at first it was a little hard to do it. And it screamed at you, Take me back to my God. Take me back. But as you continued, it became hard and calloused and haunted. And now it's down to a whisper. It's so crusted over. And you can keep doing it. Take me back to my God. But one day God's going to knock the scab off of that thing. And it's going to scream at you at the judgment bar of God. And your sins are going to find you. And the wages of sin is death. 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 Not going to be fun then. But Brother Timmy, it's fun. It's not going to be fun then. Brother, if they had it, the seat and the pew you're sitting on would sell for a million dollars apiece in hell tonight. Pursued. Hunted. Hiding. But finally sin finds you. And that's it. He said, it's like a man... Book of Amos says it's like a man that runs from a lion and he meets a bear. And he runs from a bear and runs into a house and slams the door and thinks, I've escaped. And he leans his head and hand against the wall and a snake bites him. You can be sure your sins will find you out. The cover's going to be jerked off, friend. It's going to find you. Book says of David before his sin that he was a man after God's own heart. But oh, his sin, his sin found him, broke him. Thirteen major catastrophes in David's life after his sin with Bathsheba. He had a hard time ever getting his spiritual equilibrium again. Something that happens to a man, some kind of fiber in him that breaks down when he bows his knee to sin time and again and will not heed the warning of the Spirit. Before long, your hearing is dull and your spiritual vision has cataracts and you lose your appetite for the things of God and your appetite for the world. You lose your attention to the friends of God and your attention is drawn to the friends of the world. And James, the the Apostle James screams out and says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And whosoever therefore is a friend of the world is an enemy to God. I'm telling you, your sins are going to find you. If you don't believe it, ask Samson. The strongest man that ever lived that could pick up the gates of Gaza and tie 300 foxes tailed together and could slay a, slay a thousand Philistines and stack them up like cordwood. You know what happened? To Samson, sin found him. Left him at a mill, blinded, grinding like a donkey. I'm telling you, sin will make a donkey out of you. If you don't believe your sin will find you out, ask Saul. King, head and shoulders above all in Israel, but hear him as he screams, I played the fool! I had a friend one time. It was quite high, his position. 
knew the Lord, good man. But he got too high. And he thought he could hoodwink God and everybody else. And one day, the cover was jerked off. And he was found to be in sin. You know what he did? He took his fist when he was finally faced with it and beat the door facing and screamed, I've played the fool. Now the devil didn't show him that aspect of it. He didn't show him his wife and children walking out. He didn't show him fired from his job. No, not when he was having a high heel time. It was fun. He didn't show him beating his fist against the door, screaming, I played the fool. Your sins are going to find you. If you don't believe it, ask Judas at the end of a hangman's rope that finally breaks and his bowels are gushed asunder on the ground. That's what the book says. What happened to Judas? His sins found him. Let me ask you a question, friend. What are you going to do with your sins when they find you? What do you mean, what am I going to do with them, Brother Tenney? Well, 1 Timothy 5.24 said, Some men's sins are open and go before to judgment. Other men's sins follow them. You may think you're getting away from them, but Paul said your sins are following you. What are you going to do with them? They may never find you in time. You may go on smiling and having fun for 80 years, but there's a day coming when you're going to stand before God and one by one your sins are going to follow you to the judgment. And did you hear what I read in Isaiah 59? Our sins do testify against us. Oh no! Get away from me! I, I committed you 30 years ago. No! I don't want anything to do with you! But the Bible said... Men's sins follow them to judgment. And what are you going to do with your sins when they find you? Other men's sins, he said, go on before them. You know what happens to sins that you send on before you? Jesus takes them and he puts them under the blood. And when I stand before the judgment, I don't care what I did in my past life. My Lord, the advocate with the Father, stands up and says, I'll take his case. Oh, hallelujah. And he has never lost a case. I'll take his case. So I'm offering you the option tonight of coming to this altar and judging yourself as guilty and opening your sins and confessing them to God and sending them on before and letting that great advocate with the Father who shed blood get atoned for the sins of the world have your sins. If you don't, they're going to follow you. And sin, when it's finished, sin will get finished with you. Lust, when it's conceived, bringeth forth what? Sin. And sin, when it's finished, bringeth forth what? You may never get through with sin, but you hear me, sin's going to get finished with you someday. I've seen the drunkard wallowing in the mire near death. Sin's through with him. I've seen the dope addict on a dying bed from an overdose, sin's through with him. I've seen the dissipated woman that threw her life away, sin's through with her. 
Let me tell you something, friend. I serve a God in love of God who one million years from now will not be through with me. I'm preaching to people tonight by the witness of the Spirit that have hidden sin. Hidden sin. That you don't think anybody knows. And the Holy Spirit has pricked your conscience. Now the Holy Ghost won't nag. No. The Holy Ghost just says that thou art the man. Sin when it's finished. Now, you can get finished with sin tonight. Give it to Jesus. But if you don't, sin's going to get through with you someday. But Brother Tenney, what's wrong with, don't argue with the book. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. It's sin. Following after and loving the world is sin. He told you in the book of Corinthians that liars and thieves and whoremongers and fornicators and covetous and abusers of themselves with mankind, he named the whole catalog. He said, you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. He tells us to renounce the hidden things of dishonesty. Turn around, repent, get right with God. I don't know. I, I got a feeling tonight that I can't explain. But I really believe that I'm preaching to somebody whose sins are about to find them. You have played with God. You have flirted with God. You have made excuses. You have condemned, you have criticized, and all of this is a front to cover what's going on beneath the surface in your own heart. You're in sin. You're in sin. You don't like for me to call it sin, but hear the preacher, the soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. And it's not going to be funny then. It's not going to be a joke. Let's pray. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Help us tonight, Lord. Some way, somehow, help us tonight, Lord. Help us. God's called your number. Oh, I, I hear that little breathing. I'm sorry, God, but you don't mean it. You're going to have to have deep repentance and restitution. Deep repentance and restitution. Not just rubbing your eyebrow and saying, well, I'm sorry, God, and if he's talking about me, forgive me, Lord. I'm talking about deep altar repentance. Digging it out, bedrock. Going out of the sinning business. The blood can help you tonight. Sin. Sin.
I feel the Holy Ghost. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the, in the blood, blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed? That's a question that only you can answer. Blood. The altar's open tonight. In the soul. Anybody here need Jesus? Blood Anybody here need to repent? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? The altar's open. There's a God that's ready to take your vile sins and give you beauty for ashes. And be washed, ready to wash you in the blood of the Lamb. This is serious business, friend. We're not playing here tonight. Sin, sin, sin. Oh, be washed, oh, be washed in, the blood in the blood of the Lamb. Of the Lamb. Are you Somewhere out there tonight, in the is there anyone else that would like to make their way to this altar? In the soul-cleansing blood of oh. the Lamb, are your garments? Spotless are they white as snow. Are you washed in the, the blood? blood That's it. Come on. Land. You need to repent. Come on. You need Jesus. Come on. Are you washed, are you washed in, in the blood? In the soul cleansing blood of the land. There's a God in heaven that sees you and loves you. Ready to forgive you. Are they white as snow? Oh, friends, you're not fooling anybody. You better praise him for a merciful God that would speak to you on a night like this and say, get right. Your sins are going to find you. Get right. Cleansing blood of the Lamb Are your garments Be sure, no doubt about it Be sure of it Your sins are going to you washed in the blood of the Lamb Let's everybody sing that chorus Are you washed that old hymn of faith in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Oh, he wants to 
wants to see you come in repentance tonight. I mean, that's it. Let's pray. Not just here, just to murmur a few utterances to God, but some old-fashioned praying through and touching God and getting right. I'm talking about repentance, old-fashioned repentance, getting right with God, getting down to bedrock, telling God how sorry you are for what you've done, belching it out. You don't have to confess to me, but there's a God in heaven that'll hear you and that'll wash you. You be sure of one thing. Your sins are going to find you. Let them find you tonight at this altar. Let them find you tonight at this altar of prayer. Turn them over to Jesus. God, wash me in the blood. And if you mean it, He knows you mean it. And He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. What a beautiful God. Oh, what a beautiful God. Are you washed? I feel a surge of the blood of Jesus at this altar. I'm telling you, I feel something down here. I feel that holy detergent from God. Wash it. Hallelujah. Cleanse it. Amen. Having mercy, forgive it. Are your garments? Saints, let's hold on here a few minutes. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost wants to do a work here tonight. There's some of you that have never been bowed a knee to your God that need to be praying tonight and asking God to forgive you for your pernicious sins. There's a God that loves you, and he sent a preacher to tell you that your sins are going to find you. I wouldn't dare preach you into sin and not preach you out of sin. I want you to know there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that blood, lose all their guilty stains. Be sure your sins will find you out. In the blood of the Lamb. Anybody else for Calvary tonight? Anybody else for the altar tonight? Anybody else want to get right with God? Finally right. In the soul. Will you stand with us? In the blood of the Lamb are your garments. Spotless are they white. As no are you washed in the blood of Everyone join in with us. Are you washed? Everybody singing. In the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed? In the blood of the Lamb, are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb, are your garments spotless? Holy Ghost is digging tonight, moving, trying to cleanse you. What a merciful God. Be sure your sins will find you out.